the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Church of the Redeemer in Gatorsburg, Maryland. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Every one of us, from time to time, will hear someone make a general request, or we will have particular people say something like this to us, would you pray for me? I need your prayers. All of us have heard words like that, and unfortunately, sometimes when we hear those words, we we say, oh yes, I will, and then we kind of forget. It's not intentional, but we never really followed through with praying for other people the way that we would like to. And so today, I'm going to share with you some things that will help you to become a prayer person, not just for your own needs, but for the needs of other people. Because prayer is not only a spiritual activity that helps you individually, but it is actually a ministry that God wants to work through you for other people. God wants to teach you how to pray, not only for yourself, but for others. In fact, the Lord's Prayer is a prayer where Jesus made it very clear that we are to include others in our prayer. He begins by calling us to pray our Father, not my Father, our Father, a personal pronoun. Lead us not into temptation, not me, but us. And so even in the Lord's Prayer, there's this personal community dimension to praying for other people, including other people in our prayers. The Apostle Paul recognized the value of this in his own life and ministry. Let me read for you from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. Notice his words, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we'd received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us again. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Paul said we have benefited from the prayers of God's people. Paul said in one of the most difficult times when we were in the province of Asia and it felt like we were despairing of life itself, there were people who were praying for us. And because they were praying for us, we were able to make our way through a very difficult period. It was not just his own prayers that got him through. It was the prayers of other people. He was supported by people praying for him, the power of praying for somebody else. Let's talk about Jesus for a moment. 
Let me go back and remind you of the life of Jesus. Jesus was born, obviously, as we remember in Bethlehem. He grew up uh, to 30 years of age, and then he entered into the ministry with the Holy Spirit's anointing upon him in the time of his baptism. He begins his earthly ministry, preaching, teaching, healing, all the things that he did so marvelously. And then when he was 33 years of age, he goes to the cross to die for the sins of mankind. He gives his life on Calvary, and he declares it is finished, and he gives up his life for you and me pays the price for our sins. On the third day, Easter morning, death could not hold him. He rose victoriously from the grave, the living Savior. He spent 40 days with his disciples following that time, teaching them about the kingdom of God. And then the Bible teaches us that Jesus goes up in Jerusalem to the Mount of Olives. And there from the Mount of Olives, he is lifted up and ascends into heaven where he goes to the right hand of God the Father. Where is Jesus today? Jesus has not disappeared into some ethereal universe. No, Jesus Christ, the living Savior, is alive today, seated at the right hand hand of God the Father. You can look at, you can see that he's there with nail prints in his hands and in his feet and in his side. He is the living Savior, the Lamb of God. In fact, John tells us in the book of Revelation, when he was caught up in heaven, he saw the Lamb of God seated on the throne. That's where Jesus is. And one day Jesus, the living Savior, will come back again. We don't know when that day is, but there'll be a moment when the Father will say, this is the time. It's the time for you to return and to gather up those who are called by your name and bring them home to me. And so there will be the great rapture of the church. We don't know how all of that's going to work, but there will be a time when Jesus will come back again. Dear ones, don't you doubt it. Jesus is coming back again. Don't ever doubt it. Prophets prophesied his first coming and he came and prophets have prophesied in scripture his second coming and he will come again. But what is Jesus doing between now and then between the moment where he's seated at the right hand of God the father and the day that he comes back again. What's Jesus doing now. Is he sort of sitting up in heaven, twiddling his thumbs, just waiting for the Father to say, this is the day? Absolutely not. The Bible teaches us that Jesus right now in heaven is occupied with a ministry. He is doing something right now. And what Jesus, according to the scripture, is he is praying for you and he's praying for me. That he sits on the throne of God making prayers to the Father on our behalf. Now I will tell you, I've asked lots of people over the years to pray for me, but I'm glad Jesus is praying for me. Amen? There's nobody that could pray for you more important or powerful than Jesus himself. Notice Hebrews 7, 24 and 25. But because Jesus lives forever, he is a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Notice that word intercede. The word intercede is a word that means to plead or pray or intervene for help on behalf of another individual. So the basic idea of intercession in the Bible is to pray for someone in need of prayer. So the Bible says that Jesus is living for the person purpose of praying for other people. Paul said, I was helped by prayers, the prayers of people. Jesus lives, ever lives for interceding or praying for others. And you and I, you and I, you and me, each one of us here, we are called 
to the very same ministry to be people who not only pray for ourselves, but we must learn how to pray for other people. How do we do this? How do we begin to engage in this ministry of intercession, this ministry of prayer? Let me share with you eight things that will help you to become a prayer warrior, that will help you to become a prayer person for other people. The first thing that's necessary is you must love the people you're praying for. The first thing that will move you to praying for other people is love, compassion. Compassion is the key. It's the motivator to praying for other people. You must love well to pray well. I want you to listen closely to this. You can't pray effectively for someone that you hate. You can't pray effectively for someone that you resent. You can't pray effectively for someone that you're offended with. You can't pray effectively for someone out of anger and hurt and resentment and hatred. Jesus gave us this example. He's praying for the citizens of Jerusalem. And I want you to notice in Luke chapter 13, verse 34, this attitude, this spirit of compassion in Jesus as he's praying for the people that were near and dear to him. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Do you hear the compassion? in Jesus' heart for people. Dear ones, today, if we're going to pray for others, to pray well, we have to love well. You have to love the people you're praying for. How much of the love of God is in your heart? Is God's love blocked by resentment? Is it being blocked by hatred? Is it being blocked by things that you're holding on to inside? You'll never pray well until you love well. Number two, The second thing that's necessary if you and I are going to pray well for other people is to believe that our prayers will positively impact others. You've got to believe that your prayers matter. Impact equals influence. That's what I'm talking about. That prayers influence what happens in another person's life. Notice the influence that Paul describes here in the book of Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 and 10. The influence of prayer, he says, for this reason... Since the day we heard about you, speaking of the Colossian believers, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that. In other words, he's saying, I know that when we pray, this is what we believe is going to happen. We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Paul was convinced that his prayers for the Colossians would make a difference, would have an impact, would have influence in their spiritual life. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Let me tell you a story here in this point from Acts chapter 12. Does prayer work? Does prayer for other people have an impact? Yes, it does. There was a time in the life of the apostle Peter when he'd been arrested and put in prison for preaching the gospel. And Herod was going to put him to death. He was going to to do what he'd done to some of the other apostles and kill him, martyr him for his faith. So here he is in prison, but the church, the Bible says in verse number 5 of Acts chapter 12, the church in Jerusalem began to pray for Peter. And God miraculously sent an angel overnight and broke 
the chains around Peter and opened the prison door and Peter goes free. He's let out in what would almost seem like a dream, but he's let out and he's free and he finds his way to the prayer meeting of the church in Jerusalem. Let's pick up the story in Acts chapter 12, beginning in verse 12, when this had dawned on him, on Peter, that is, he'd realized he was set free. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and what were they doing? They were What were they doing, church? They were praying. you got to get this. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. So Peter, now he's out of prison. They've been in there praying for him. So he comes to the very house where the prayer meeting is being held. He knocks on the door, and this young girl named Rhoda comes and answers the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. Now I would advise her next time, at least open the door for the guy. Right, okay. But she's so excited. Wow, this is Peter. She forgets to open the door and invite him in. So she goes and tells everybody, Peter is at the door. Peter is at the door. And notice the response of the prayer meeting, the people there. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, It must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were what? Astonished. Let me give you a word here this morning. This is for somebody here today. If you'll start praying for somebody in your life that God will put on your heart to pray for, you'll be astonished at what God will do in their life. They were astonished at how God set Peter free. You'll be astonished at what God can do in people's lives when you begin to pray for them. Prayer has impact. It has influence. And then number three, expect others to be strengthened by your prayers. When you pray for another person... There's a supernatural strength that comes to that person, strength to overcome temptation, strength to press on in the face of weariness, strength to overcome and rise to the challenges that people might be facing. And the people around us, there are people today in your world that are facing temptations and they need strength to overcome. There are people in in your world around you who are in the midst of weariness and they're about to give up and they need to be strengthened. There are people in the world around you people that you know, people that you have connection with, and they are, they're just a step away from just throwing in the towel, and they need a prayer from somebody that will bring strength to their life. And I will tell you something about prayer. Prayer supernaturally strengthens people. Notice 2 Corinthians 1 verse 11, as you help us, how? By your prayers. For Samuel 12 verse 23, the prophet Samuel In response to King Saul and some of the issues going on in King Saul's life, Samuel made this statement, As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to do what? Failing to pray for you. Samuel said, I don't want to sin against God by failing to embrace my responsibility to pray for you, and I will teach you the way that is good and right. Number four, the fourth thing that is essential If you and I are going to pray for other people, is you have to let the Holy Spirit lead you as you pray for others. The Holy Spirit helps us to know how to pray for other people. We don't don't know the real needs of other people. Only God does. But when you begin to pray for people and you open your heart to God and His Spirit and you begin to pray for another person, here's the beautiful thing. God will guide you in your prayers for another person. Sometimes we think we're praying 
for one thing in a person's life and we start praying for them and, we, and God begins to move on our hearts and we find ourselves praying in an entirely different way because God will lead you and God will guide you. Here's the beautiful thing. As a believer in Jesus Christ, here's the wonderful news. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you and the Holy Spirit will help you to pray. Look at these words in Romans chapter 8. In the same way the Spirit helps us where? In our weakness. What weakness? Well, it goes on to say, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we know, now here's the confidence, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. God says, when you don't know how to pray, trust me in that weakness and I will help you to pray for others. Number five, the fifth thing that is vital in praying for others is to learn to guard against judgment and self-righteousness and spiritual pride as you pray for other people. There are a lot of words there to write down. I'll give you a moment to write them down. Judgment, self-righteousness, and spiritual pride. They all are linked together, but each of them have a unique dimension to them. Judgment, self-righteousness, and spiritual pride. It is so easy that when you begin to pray for other people, if you're not careful, you can elevate yourself when you're praying for someone and begin to develop a judgmental attitude in their life. Because sometimes when you're praying for people, you're praying for people who have have some messes going on in their life, right? Here's what God is always interested in in another person's life. He's always interested in redemption and restoration and salvation and deliverance and healing and wholeness. That's what God wants to do. And we need to pray humbly for other people, carefully for other people without a spirit of judgment in our lives against them or toward them. So valuable. Jesus gave a story one day. He said there are two guys that went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a a dirty, rotten sinner. I'll just sort of paraphrase that, okay? He was a bad guy. And so both of them went to the temple to pray and the Pharisee, the religious guy, he comes before God and says, oh God, you're so blessed to have me. I'm awesome. I do everything you ask me to do. I'm amazing, God. Look at me. You're blessed to have me serve you. That's really a big paraphrase on what he said. But in essence, he's bragging on himself before God and he promotes himself before God. He has this attitude of superiority that he carries with him. And then the, the camera, if you will, lens goes from this guy to the sinner over here and we are able to listen to his words and he prays a prayer like this. Oh God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. And Jesus posed the question, Which of the two went away justified before God? Did the guy who had the big head and the spiritual attitude of pride go away justified? Or did the man who realized his brokenness go away justified? The answer is very clear. The man who had humility and brokenness was the man that found God. Take a look at what the scripture says in Galatians 6 verse 1. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin... You who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself, or you too may be tempted. 
Restoration of another person sometimes involves interaction with them, but many times it involves prayer for them. Number six, the sixth thing that's essential. To pray for other people, you have to fight for others in prayer. Ephesians says, our battle is not with flesh and blood, with principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness in the heavenly realm. So it's a spiritual battle that we're engaged in and that we have to fight the fight. Abraham understood this. When Abraham received the news that Sodom and Gomorrah was going to be destroyed, an evil place, Abraham immediately goes to God and his prayer says, God, if there's 50 righteous there, just 50 Would you spare it? And there were not 50. So, God, if there's 40, if there's 30, if there's 20, if there's 10, there were not even 10 righteous people. But the point I'm making is that Abraham interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah, and Lot and his family escaped Sodom and Gomorrah because Abraham fought the good fight of faith in intercession. Amen? You and I have to fight the fight. Colossians 4, verse 12 Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. What was Epaphras known for? Wrestling in prayer for his fellow believers at Colossae. He was a prayer warrior. He, he knew how to fight the fight of prayer. Number seven, the seventh thing today is to pray for the people that God places in your world. I want to encourage all of us today to realize that in the world that God has placed you, you, Everybody's world's a little bit different. You know people that other people don't know. You're in a job that is unique to you. You live in a house, a neighborhood that other people don't live in. So everybody has their own unique world. But in your unique world, God wants to use you in your world. And God wants to use you in your world to be a kingdom advancer. Okay. What does that mean? It means that he wants to use you to advance his kingdom wherever you are, the world that he's put you in. And one of the ways that you advance the kingdom is by your prayers. That means that in your family, you're praying for your family. And so you're advancing the kingdom in your family. It means that in your neighborhood, you need to advance the kingdom through prayer in your neighborhood. You say, well, how do I do that? You just simply walk through your neighborhood praying for people. It's called a prayer walk. When was the last time you prayed for your neighbors? You've complained about them, but when was the last time you prayed for them? Okay. A prayer walk is you just walk by, and as you're walking by, you pray for them. Just gently you pray over that. God, I'm asking that your kingdom would come. You walk into Safeway. Lord, I pray I'm your representative. I'm going to hold my head high because I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that as I walk that my feet would be the gospel of peace today. I pray that as I walk through the store that you'll leave a blessing around me that you draw people to. Are you seeing what I'm talking about? You say, this seems like strange. No, it's not. This is called living your life on purpose. Living your life as a kingdom advancer. And the last point I'd like to share with you today, actually, let's read a couple of scriptures as we conclude. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, Romans 12, 12, Colossians 4, 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And the last point I want to give you is to remember to pray for people in authority. 
people in leadership and people of influence. That's part of what we've been called to do is pray for people who are in places of authority, in places of leadership, and in places of influence. Notice 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Now, I'm a Bible teacher, so I want you to hear what the Bible says about this, okay? Here's Paul's words to Timothy. I urge then, first of all, that request, prayers, and intercession, and thanksgiving be made for the people you like. Is that what it says? No. doesn't say that, right? I urge then, first of all, that request, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for... Does everyone include people you don't like? Does it? Come on, church, does it? Now, just be honest. We're in church. Do you have some people you don't like? Come on, shake your head. Come on, tell the truth. Okay, right? Come on, some of you are lying right now, okay? I urge then, first of all, that prayers, requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Well, who's everyone? For kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases who? God, our Savior. Paul understood as a spiritual leader the value of people praying for him. He asked for their prayers and prayed for us too, that God may open a door for our message, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. And he pray, asks, asks for prayer again in Second Thessalonians 3, 1 and 2. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it, is with, just as it was with you and pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not everyone has faith. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Families saving families. That's the exciting theme. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.